We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Super Bowl edition of Talking Yang. Jeff Erickson with Chris Liss here. Chris, what's going on? How you doing? Are you excited for the Super Bowl yet? This is the Super Bowl of Talking Yang. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, God. Uh, I have had a hard time getting ramped up for this game. And I maybe it's not just that I don't have an emotional connection to each team. I, I almost never do. So that's not really it. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just... I, I don't know. Maybe I'm burnt out from the. I don't know what it is, really, to be honest with you. I, I just maybe I'll maybe come Thursday I'll be excited about it. But maybe it's just the new normal. Maybe I'm just I, I think that I'm. This is unusual, but I think I'm pretty much blase all the time until it gets closer to the game. Is this a cry for help, Jeff? Might be. Are, have know. you lost interest in life? Are that you're just no longer you don't care about football anymore? No, I do. That's the interest. thing. I enjoy You're the slipping. I love the game. I'm just having a hard time getting. Maybe it's just I, I. I just reflexively hate all the hype for the game. I, I feel the same way, man. Uh, if I had a really strong lean, like I did, like in the Denver Seattle one, or I had like a you know some something to hang my hat on, or be really excited to bet on it and watch it and be into arguments about it, I think I'm going to take the Rams. I think I'm sort of rooting for the Patriots. The Rams are just so nutless kicking that field goal to tie it to a half yard line on fourth down that I just, I don't respect them. And they got lucky. 
Peyton bailed him out first of all. And second of all, they obviously got that stupid uh, non-call on the uh, obvious pass interference. So just not very, uh, I don't really like the Rams. I think Sean McVay is overrated. And then uh, the Patriots, I kind of rooting for them because everyone hates them. And just the level of excellence is just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, they got some breaks in the chiefs game, but I mean, that chiefs team, that chiefs offense was just so good. And the Pats just outsmarted them. And, you know, Andy Reid, I mean, it's just he and Rivers. It's like I feel really bad for not, Andy Reid, to be honest with you. I don't feel bad for him. It's just not good enough to be, uh, you know, a good coach. You got to be a all time coach to win and just couldn't get it done. You know, it's 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 like, um, you know, it's well, Andy Murray won some grand slams, but it's like being Andy Murray in the Federer Nadal Djokovic era. Like Andy Murray is really good, but just came around at the wrong time. You know, Philip Rivers is really good, but you know, it's just, he had Peyton and he had Brady and he had Roethlisberger and now all the young guys are coming in like Mayfield and Mahomes and luck and it's wrong, wrong era. You know, there's, there's some softer eras that you get and you could be a Larry Holmes and knock out a bunch of chumps for 10 years. You know, you can, you, it's sort of unfair to Larry Holmes, but you know, you beat, you beat who's there, you know, but they just ran into the all time greats and the best coach team. And they should, Andy Reid had the better team, but he just, he just couldn't adapt. And, uh, I don't even know if it was the better team, you know, the chiefs, I I think you have the better team. So here's the thing about the chiefs, their losses this year. They're, I mean, they, they lost to the Rams granted on the road. They lost the Pats in Foxborough. And then again at home, they lost to the chargers. You know, they, Beat the Steelers. Oh, and they lost to the Seahawks too. Who is the best team that the Chiefs beat this year? The yeah, Chargers I mean, in San Diego in Week One. I mean in LA in Week One. The Steelers, well, they beat the Steelers in week and two? Chargers on the road. They, they beat the Steelers and Chargers on the road. But when they lost to the Rams and the Pats, it was like on the road fifty-fifty. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean they. It's not like they were certainly equal to the. But two they couldn't teams stop the either Bowl. team. They couldn't stop either team at all. But neither team could stop them. You know, and right. so they, so it's they a were, half they a were team. basically on the road. They were basically equals to the two teams standing in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and they scored thirty-one points and a half against the Patriots. But the Patriots just outgame planned them. They outsmarted them, and the Chiefs, as we talked about on the XM show today, just had a horrible defensive game plan. Right. You have to make Brady and the Patriots beat you deep. I think you can play defense in the NFL wherein it's very hard. You just shut everything down six yards and in and say, go run by us. Right. And, he, and if they, if they succeed, they may still get caught from behind and have to convert a couple of first downs or a touchdown because they don't have anyone that fast. And secondly, um, if they convert and score the touchdown on one play, okay, fine. So give your offense the ball back and don't keep your defense on the field all day. So maybe at some point, they can play their regular defense and stop a third down and 10 at one point. So, uh, you know, they had a bad game plan. It's just the, the team that has to grind it out. Shouldn't be able to beat the team that can score in a second. If the team that can score in a second is smarter or as smart. And they, but they're not. And I agree. And their defense was bad all year. And maybe some yeah, of that's personnel. Uh, but I, I just, I, I think that the Chiefs were a very good bully, and they were, trust me, they were super fun to watch. I, I, I think Reed was 
genius level on offense, but he also took a half to adjust to what the Pats were doing on defense, whereas the Pats were better prepped, which is kind of interesting because, you know, Reed's strong strength typically has been game preparation. It's not usually not in-game decisions. But this in this game, he made a great series of halftime adjustments offensively. Uh, defensively, they didn't do much of adjust. Remember, they, this game could have been over earlier, too. They got that fourth down stop. They had uh, a deflection picks, for an interception. And a pick in the end zone. And a pick in the end zone, too. And that was in the first half. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I And I want the, I wanted the Chiefs to win. I, I really enjoy watching them play. And I, I like Reed as a coach. But I, he, he's a hall the very good and not a, hall, uh, not a great. That's right. And if Belichick weren't in this conference or he lost to Belichick in a Super Bowl, though that was partly his QB, just got gassed. Here's the other thing about the Patriots. The Super Bowls, they have never won a decisive Super Bowl. They've been in eight Super Bowls so far. This is their mm-hmm. ninth Super Bowl. The first one, they barely beat the Rams, who were favored on the Vinatieri kick. Right. The second one, they I can't remember whether the Eagles or the Panthers, which one came first, but they barely beat the Panthers and barely beat the Eagles. They were life and death with both of those teams. Then against the Giants, they lost. Um, and then against the Giants, they lost again. Both were close games. They could have won. Then they beat the Seahawks on a total miracle. I mean, it's just, you know, Marshawn Lynch runs it in. It's over. Then they are down 28, three and beat Atlanta in overtime. And then they lose to the Eagles in a tight game. The Patriots have never had a decisive win in the Super Bowl, And everyone's like, well, Belichick's got two weeks now and he's going to be ready for this, but never in his career, for some reason, has the Super Bowl been easy for the Patriots. It's always been a war. It has been. But and and then that's interesting too. I I almost wonder, is he better with one week? Is is that is that where his advantage is? That he can diagnose things quicker. And when other teams have yeah, I, extra time, then that, that neutralizes his advantage. I think that might be uh that's plausible at least that yeah, that they catch up, that they have two weeks to really look at it. Whereas Belichick immediately knows what's important. You know, that the advantage is knowing what's important quickly and being able to figure out the obvious game plan to do. Whereas if they both have two weeks, then, you know, no stone is left unturned or something. And so it's more equal. could be that obviously the sample's not that big. So it could just be, well, that's just how those games went, but you just never see the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You know, the Giants basically outwitted them. They were the Patriots against the the cheat. You know, they, they were in the reverse situation, whereas they were the defensive team and had a really good game plan to beat up on Tom Brady in that Super Bowl and both Super Bowls to really get pressure and, you know, keep that game low scoring and close on a, on a level that they could actually win it with Eli as their quarterback. And you, know, you look at some of the games, the Eagles went on for it on fourth down. They did the Philly special. They were just really you know, aggressive and they had a great game plan. The Falcons had an amazing game plan. They were beating the crap out of the Patriots and they just fell apart. I mean, there was no reason they should have lost that game. And I can't remember the Eagles Panthers, but they were, those were good games. And so, yeah, maybe he, the advantage is neutralized a little bit um, with the extra time, but you know, either way I, I root for the Patriots because I think this is arguably the greatest dynasty in any sport given circumstances, 32 teams, salary cap, free agency, you know, it's it's one thing to be the 60s Celtics or the 50s Yankees or something, but they had so many advantages. The leagues were smaller. Um, this is given like sort of the level playing field and the 32 teams. This is probably the greatest dynasty in any sport. It's it's right up there. It's absolutely right up there. Uh, I, you know, any sport seems pretty broad to me, uh, but, you know, Serena and women's tennis. 
would be well. You can't call a person a dynasty. Okay, fair point. Fair point. But I, I'm sure you can dig and find other examples. But it, in American pro sports, uh, the major of uh, the major four sports, it's right there. Yeah, there's probably some highlight team that crushes the Patriots, but yeah, North American, you know, North American pro sports in the major four. Uh, or you can ex- do you think you can you could probably extend that to soccer or something like that. Uh, there's probably like you know. You know the what the run of like uh, uh, I mean I'm trying to think of maybe Bundesliga or something like that. There's you know that's that's, that's crazy dominance or something of that nature. But y- your point well, is well taken. The, the, early, the early '80s Isles. I mean, you got to give you know you got to. There we go. We there, got we found your wheelhouse there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. It, it is crazy. Uh, I I like the Rams more than you do. Um, I from a, just a I, I and I think. McVeigh is a genius. I think that he still makes mistakes, but and including and then you railed on this on the uh, XM show Monday after the Saints Rams game. Just the ridiculous decision to not to go to kick the field goal from the half foot half yard line uh, with five minutes left in the game just to tie the game, um, and how he got bailed out completely bailed out on that. It didn't work. And there's no way, in, and there's no definition of that working except for the fact that the Rams won the game. And they, but that, that wasn't because of that decision at all. It wasn't remotely because of that decision. Well, I would have been fine. I mean, not fine, but I would have like felt a lot more respect for him. We said, you know what? That was a stupid decision. It was yeah. kind of gutless on my part. We should have gone for it. You know, I was playing for the tie because I thought, you know, blah, blah, blah. But in retrospect, that was a, a mistake. The math says go for it. I just kind of did something sloppy and it was a huge call and I blew it and I, we got lucky. If he said that, I'd be like, Oh, I respect this guy. Mm-hmm. But he just said, Oh yeah, it worked. I mean, I just, I just don't think the guy's a genius, man. Or he may be a genius in some very narrow way. He's got like perfect recall or something, but who cares? You've got to be a great coach and that's not the same thing. I agree. I agree. Uh and the thing is, you know, the stats, if I, I, I got to pull up the specific stat, but the stats said, you know, that Peyton, you know, that, uh, sorry, McVeigh and Peyton, for that matter, don't go for it as often as their perception is. Um, you know, how, you know, they go for it on fourth down and plus situations that they punt more than you realize. Yeah, I mean, we we like put these fantasies on these coaches. We're like, oh. The, the offense is fun to watch. Wow. Look at all this great scheming. He must be really good on the fourth down math. Actually, I think Rufus Peabody or somebody tweeted out that, um, that I don't like, there's only been four times where someone kicked a field goal on fourth and goal from inside the one. And twice it was McVeigh this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to pull up and I'm trying to, I just can't find the stat. I knew, I know there's a, somewhere out there. There's a stat where they list coaches and how often they went for it and all that. Uh, but it, it really was it, it, they you know, McVeigh is not the guy you think he is when it comes to at least to that narrow right. definition. We project all of our like, you know, people project all their like stat head fantasies onto these coaches. You know, it's like, oh, he look at him. Look how smart he is. He remembers all the stuff. He's so forward thinking. He must. I know he goes for it on fourth down. No, actually, he doesn't. You know, he. I'm not saying that. Also, I you know, sometimes there's probably circumstances where you do want to do what's different than the book. You know, you may have a card count that's super high in blackjack and you know that this is the one time where you're going to do something different. There may be circumstances that these coaches uh, can notice and do the, the unusual thing. But I mean, it's, 
I just can't see how that one was one of them. Everyone called it at the time. Nobody waited to see what happened. And clearly, basically, the Rams lost that game. Uh, if even had that, you know, if that pass interference had been called or if Peyton had just run it three times instead of throwing it and kicked the chip shot, it's possible the Rams would have come back with 45 seconds left or whatever it would have been with no timeouts to kick a field goal. But, you know, and the only reason the Rams even got back even with the non-call on the pass interference was because um, Greg Zerline hit a 48 yarder, a huge pressure kick, and then a 57 yarder in overtime after getting an interception. So, I mean, they, you know, they're very lucky to win that game. And they, you know, they, the saints, how sad is it for the saints? I mean, two years in a row, they lose on the Stefan Diggs touchdown and they lose on this. I mean, that's just horrific. And now that the window's closing on breeze. Yeah. Uh, that that's right. That's absolutely right. So I, I, I pulled up an article on the ringer um, and it listed fourth go for it percentages. Uh, Riley McTee is the author, by the way, just to give proper credit uh, Fourth in NFL decisions on fourth down. This is fourth and two in the, or shorter in the first three quarters of the game. The Rams are actually 31st in go for it percentage at 18.5%. Only the jets go for it less frequently. That's crazy. I had no idea it was even that low. Right. This happens with politicians too. You know, people see a politician, the politician sounds the way you think a, politi- a person should sound. They talk normally. They sound like a cool person that you'd want to hang out with. And then you project all sorts of beliefs onto them, mm-hmm. all sorts of good beliefs onto them and think, oh yeah, that's my guy. And if you actually tell the people, oh no, actually that guy you like so much, like drone bombed a lot of innocent people and they're like, Oh no, 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 not that guy. No way. (laughs) Way too nice. You know, because we project what, you know, we see something that we like uh, a personality, a personability, a style, whatever. And we're like, Oh yeah, I like that guy. And then we project all the good onto that person that we like. And similarly, if we see someone whose style or personality revolts us, we project all manner of evil onto that person because it's just, just that's what we do. So McVay, he is the good guy in the football thing. He does the progressive thing. He's the forward thinking person. So he must obviously never punt on fourth and short and plus territory wrong. You know, we, we, it's just a total projection. And, um, I think he's been overrated. I think, yeah, it's great. He has this one very specific skill. See uh, on Twitter, Nassim Taleb is like totally, savaging these psychologists who are so big on IQ as like a measurement. He says stupid measurement. And I think he's won the argument when I read it. It just seems like, you know, it's like, it's such a narrow, Oh, he gets perfect recall. I can tell you what plays happened three years ago in a game. Who gives a fuck? You know, I mean, Bill Belichick probably doesn't remember all he probably remembers more than you think, but who cares? You know I mean? It's easy to, it's easy to use Belichick's example because he's won so much. So it's obvious he knows what he's doing, but We'll see. Maybe McVay turns out to be a great coach. We'll find out. Maybe so. Um, we'll see about that. But he so, shouldn't be in the Super Bowl now. He got lucky. He did get lucky. By the way, the Saints did live up that perception, by the way. They were third in go-for-it percentage and fourth and two or less, uh, 48.4% of the time. So it, first is the Eagles. You know that, that shouldn't be a surprise if you remember the Super Bowl last year. You just remember anything about their, their, their front office and Doug Peterson that they fully embraced the analytics side of things there. And so that's, that, that, that's not surprising at all. What is surprising is Frank Reich, you know, was, you know, Peterson's assistant last year. They're third to last in go for a percentage at 19.4%. So, uh, 
you know, yeah. that, yeah. Apple fell a little far from the tree in that in that instance. But maybe well, that's not the only that's not the only thing. But also no, the Saints, right. you're 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 overlooking something about why the Saints went for it so much. They have awesome hill. Yeah. <laughs> awesome hill. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I know that is monkey. not something you, really, how you really feel like about. that. One. Yes. Uh, so you're right. I do did overlook that. But um, and I just, you know, if you recall, like that Ravens game, they went for it four times on fourth down on the very first possession, which is just crazy. Um, you just you don't ever see teams do that. I loved seeing it. But, you know, it, it was it was kind of cool to see. But and yet the Eagles, the team that leads the NFL in going for it was turtled in that first game against the saints, not the playoff game, but the regular season game where like the first three, three and outs, they punted a couple times on fourth and one. And they just, they, and the saints were just blitzed them in that game too. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the fourth, I don't want to make it a litmus test. Like, okay, fourth and one is no, the, no, I don't either. That's, that's the, that's the, you know, deciding factor, but you know, that in a high stakes situation where there's no like, Oh, well, we'll punt here to tire them out late. You know, to some, there's some other thing that you're not realizing this was it. And not only did everyone call it at the time, but we saw it play out exactly as you thought it might play out. Right. Which is they drove down the field and basically could have run out the whole clock or, you know, if they get the pass interference, it's over and kicked a short field goal. Also, you know, if you fail on fourth and one there, they're backed up on their goal line with five minutes left. I mean, your defense has a good shot to get you the ball back. You know, you didn't need a couple of first downs from there and they might be conservative because, you know, they're so backed up. And so it's such a bad decision. I don't, I don't know, man. It's like, it's, it's hard to have respect when again, like people make mistakes or in the heat of the moment or the stress of the situation. I can't even imagine being the head coach in a championship game, you know, with the game on the line. I mean, my job's easy, but at least after the game or a week later, something say, you know what? I should have gone for it. That was wrong. Right. He couldn't even own up to it. He acted like he just tried to paper it over. Like, yeah, it worked out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe in, there's an internal discussion that's different from responding, you know, to a reporter's question after the game, and then just never coming back and addressing it. Maybe he's like, "Yeah, I really should have gone for it, but I'm not going to give them that." Maybe that was kind of his mindset. Maybe, I, I, maybe I I'm hope casting so. there, but yeah, exactly. Like, you know, he doesn't owe it to us per se, but I don't know, man. I mean, we can't. Yeah, we can't presume he did it. And if he didn't, if he doesn't uh, recant it and he actually did the deed, he doesn't recant it. Then we have to assume that he sticks by it. Right. Um, you, you would probably have for to. secretly knowing, you know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, we, it's possible, but it's, we can't, he can't get credit for that. When he punts it away from midfield on fourth and one to, uh, to Tom, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, then we'll get confirmation that he definitely did not reexamine his thoughts there. That's the thing. I mean, you know, it, where McVeigh's in this weird part, you know, he's, you know, widely considered a genius. I mean, he is in the Super Bowl, and you know they they've won twenty four games the last two years, uh, and he's got a coaching tree already. Jason Garrett is like the fourth longest tenured coach in the NFL, and he doesn't have a coaching tree. Now, one of his assistants has been hired as a head coach. That's cr- crazy. Well, I mean, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Meanwhile, McVeigh's like you know Butler. You know, McVeigh's Butler is a head coach somewhere. You know, it, it's funny. The Bengals are taking their the Q, Zach Taylor, the QB coach, if and when he ever becomes available. And it's, it's you know the best thing about this is you watch. They're gonna, he's gonna he's gonna pull a. Uh, McDaniel and say, ah, never mind. I don't want to coach this team anymore. Uh, but th- that's that would be so Bengals if that was the case that that happened. But uh, yeah. you know, but you don't even. I mean, even Belichick, who's the greatest of all time, has a terrible coaching. Yeah, experience. so you just really never know. 
if these guys will work out. I mean, you know, the coach, it's like, it's definitely better if a guy's open-minded, creative, whatever, that's definitely better than just some retread that, you know, has nothing to offer. Right. Jeff Fisher type, uh, Mike McCarthy type. So th- there's at least some upside. So I understand why they want his assistance, but being a head coach is like it's a really demanding job and it, it's so much of its communication and discipline and organization and motivation. You know I mean? It's just not just like, Oh, he worked with McVeigh. He must be, he must know the game, you know? And there's, I, I think it's like, it's a long shot that these guys, you know, can, can do it. I mean, I, it's, it's possible certainly. And it's, it's not a bad person to work for, but it's always a long shot that they're going to be good. Oh, I agree. Uh, absolutely. And look, look at the Bengals, for instance. There's so many institutional block, uh, you know, issues there to block whoever is, uh, whoever could be a good, good, co- good head coach from being a good head coach. I mean, you start with the ownership, and you know, ownership is the front office. Start right there. I mean, it, that that's one way. Uh, the, a- the AFC East finds new and creative ways to fail to the Pats every year. You know, the, I, I, there there was that uh, there's a tweet going around when Adam Gaze got hired, showing all the recycled head coaches within the division and how they failed so miserably. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, once the guys failed a couple times, it's pretty much over. I think Gaze could still be okay. Actually, I was hoping the jets would get McCarthy to be honest, but he's such a weird guy gaze the way, you know, the whole eye thing and just the way he would like be enthusiastic and sour on players almost at random. And the way he used these guys at random, it's pretty weird. Oh, I agree. I, the, the, the player usage to me is just a one indicator that I'm not optimistic about him. Uh, not that I'd be optimistic in rooting for the jets, but there you go. I mean, I just, I, 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 I was, I didn't want the Bengals getting gays. I know that. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. He was, a, you know, a highly sought after offensive coordinator at one point in his career. Just his head coaching experience didn't work out so well. And I didn't like the way he handled Devontae Parker. I didn't like the way he handled uh, uh, the running back situation this year. So who knows? Uh, I just, I, I, I'll tell you one thing though. Gaze is a dick, right? Like the way he speaks to the media, he's mm-hmm. very arrogant. Josh McDaniels was a dick when he coached in Denver. I think that's a good thing for coach. <laughs> of course you do. Of course no, you no, do. No, 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 but I, I'm serious because the guys who, you know, are like friendly and personable, they're going to get promoted because they're friendly and personable because people like them. And the guy who's a dick is not going to be doing himself any favors. But in some ways, he's getting promoted in spite of that. So I kind of like the sour not very nice coaches. You know, the guys who are nice to the media get better coverage. They get that sort of, you know, friendly buzz. Um, I, I think that like, you know, it's a, it's just, it's just a way of looking at it and saying, well, this guy must know something. Cause why are they putting up with him unless he's actually good at something? You're immediately skeptical of the image someone portrays. Do you think that a guy that is, is a dick can actually be a nice guy and a guy that checks to be a nice guy is automatically a dick? Or is that, is that your mindset or, is it just no, no? I did. You, you misheard what I said. I'm okay. not saying that Gase is a nice guy because he projects like a dick. I'm saying he's probably a dick. Okay, but just but, that but everybody's saying, a oh, dick. Great. Basically, that means secretly saying. he's a nice guy. No, I'm saying that hey, you know, you didn't listen. What I'm saying is, if he's in the position he's in, which is being a head coach for the second time despite not a great stint in Miami, even though he's also a dick, that means like the people who know him must think that he's good at something. 
because they certainly don't have him around because he's nice. And a nice guy might get promoted or, you know, a lot of people praise them, say nice things about them when they're just mediocre because they're nice, because people like him, because people root for him. Right. They like having him around. So when the guy is somebody that nobody would really want to have around, but they're keeping him around, you think maybe he's actually good. That's what I'm saying. Not that he's secretly nice. No, that he's actually – they're keeping him around because he's actually good. That's my point. Fair enough. Okay. Um, any, you know, so going back to actual analysis of the game, uh, you were saying one thing that worked against Brady in the past was a lot of pressure. One thing that the Rams are good at is bringing pressure on the quarterback. I think that's one way that the Rams match up pretty well against the Pats. What do you think? Yeah, it's another reason why I think I'm probably going to take the points. I'm not wedded to it yet, but I, I think Wade Phillips is pretty sharp. I don't think they're going to let the Pats get away with what the Chiefs did, which is go ahead, keep running on us, keep getting first downs, keep dinking and dunking to Julian Edelman. You know, it'll be there all all day. <clears throat> I think that the Rams are going to see that New England is limited in what they can do, that they can't really hurt you down the field, and they're going to make it miserable if they, if the new England wants to play the way they did against the chiefs and the Patriots aren't stupid. They know that's coming. They know the Rams are going to make that, you know, adjustment. And I think the Patriots are going to have some deep shots in, in their game plan because they're going to immediately want to make them pay if they try to take away what they do. Well, yeah. One thing I would take away from the NFC championship game is for a while, the saints could not be stopped when, you know, put, isolating Kamara against a linebacker. Uh, so I, you know, that, 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 that they were getting eight, nine chunks, uh, eight, nine yards of chunks of yards every time on that. Uh, and then all of a sudden it stopped late in the game. They stopped, either they stopped going to it or the Rams adjusted. Uh, so that, that's one thing. Cause the Pats, obviously James White is their, their analog to that. And that, that worked for them a lot against KC early on. Um, so I want, I would think that that's something they'll try to establish early on and see if they, they can use that to kind of open up other things. Yeah. Um, I think that first of all, I think Kamara is better than white. Also oh, Kamara probably, you know, they, they don't have to play the run more, you know, honestly, if Kamara's in there, than if white's in there. And then also, um, well, it's not like the Saints. the Saints had Ted Ginn and obviously Michael Thomas, uh, take, you know, they could make, make bigger plays, especially again, but you know, maybe Bree, it was kind of similar, right? Breeze is kind of like Brady doesn't have a lot of arm strength anymore. Uh, they didn't have, except for again, who's not like a major part of the offense, uh, a real, you know, a lot of guys who could break the game open and you can shut that down. And I, I wonder, you know, the Patriots are very smart, so they're going to have something lined up and the Rams can be run on too. So that's, that's another thing. Um, so, so maybe, you know, they, they just bludgeon them like they did the Chiefs. But, man, the Rams, if they're not idiots, they're going to just stack against the run in the short pass and say, all this, both the safeties are up. Go throw over the top. Beat us over the top. We'll play one-on-one coverage with your receivers. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think the Pats are going to have to try to find ways to get Gronk isolated one-on-one uh, as a countermeasure to that. Gronk actually looked good against the Chiefs. You know, first time he's looked good since like that Miami game, um, and I wonder, you know, you know, how, what sort of production can they get out of him? Because I mean, that that's got to be a big component there as their countermeasure. Because 
let's face it, they're their wideouts. You know, sure, maybe Hogan can beat somebody deep. They, they they have to do that. They have to go there every once in a while. It's like going back to our poker analogy. Every once in a while, you have to bluff. Every once in a while, you have to throw deep just to keep them honest. Yeah, I think Gronk could be a key factor because he's the one guy that's really tough for them to guard. Uh, they kind of need his blocking though, but if they can send him out and uh, he, you know, he can get chunk plays, the linebackers can't cover him, and he can run after the catch a little bit. We'll see what version of him it is, but yeah, it was encouraging that he looked pretty good last game. I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, it's again, I, every, every game, I think that the other team is better and they should be able to handle it, but the Patriots have an answer, but this one, two weeks, it's obvious what their limitations are. The Rams have so much talent on both sides of the ball. I did, they, they should be able to win this game. And the other thing I'll say about the Rams, like they, they blew it at the end. McVay, um, totally bitched out on the, on the field goal at the end of the game and got lucky, but the saints were up like 13, nothing or whatever it was. And the crowd was going crazy and the Rams in a hostile environment calmed down and basically beat them. You know, had McVay gone, you know, if they had really just the coach kind of pitched out at the last minute, but the Rams took care of business on the road in a hostile environment down, like whatever it was, 13, nothing. So the Rams team is good. It's just, uh, you know, there's that sense of like, do they really deserve to be here? They probably have forgotten about it already. And you know, it's not going to undermine them, but I guess I'm taking the Rams. All right. I haven't decided yet. I, my lean was Pats, but I hate that the lines move so much. You know, I really liked Pats plus one. I'll tell you, you know, I like that a lot. Uh, minus two and a half. I'm not so sure. Although those numbers, you know, between the threes are less important. Right. They're not that big. Yeah. But if it goes to three, it'll be a, it'll be a no brainer for the to take the Rams. The, the Pat, Patriots, who is the better defense? The Patriots probably have the better defense, right? Because their secondary is better. I mean, Tlaib's going to obviously help the Rams a good amount. But um, they shut down Michael Thomas this game, who went off on them the first game. But you'd say the the Patriots defense overall is better, right? I think so. Uh, well, I mean the I mean the, the the Rams have the better pass rush. They have Aaron Donald. They have the best defensive player in Donald. Yeah, but we talk about Donald so much, but the Rams defense has been shredded this year. It's their secondary is pretty bad. That's the thing. I mean, well, I, I think Talib is you know was hurt for so long. I think that they they that got they got better. But the funny thing is, you could always run against the, the Rams all year. Um, right. You got Dominican Sue and Brockers and, um, Dante Fowler and Donald and you could run on them. You could throw on them. I mean, they just weren't that good. You know, that, that, that was the funny thing is, although the, the crazy thing is in that month, that Monday night chiefs Rams game, the running games didn't do a whole lot in that game. You know, Gurley didn't score. Uh, and, and I, I think that, uh, I don't think Kareem Hunt did much in the running aspect of that game. He had some receptions, but it was it was an odd game because you know there's all these defensive touchdowns and turnovers that played such a big role in that game too. Uh, that you know you kind of overlook that running both teams, which were weak against the run, didn't give up much on the run. Yeah, no one had time to run. They had to hurry up and score. You know, it was like it was like we don't have time to have a drive here. Yeah, the other team just scored in two seconds. We got to score back in two seconds. Although maybe one of those teams, if they had been able to do that, they might not have had to, you know, you know, they might not have had to hurry. Uh, but well, that, that's why it's, it's kind of bad. You know, Greg was talking about it, or maybe you were just talking about it, that the, that the chiefs elected to, to kick off. I was talking the about game. that with like, you. Yeah. It's like for, you know, for the style of game, you want to score quickly, be up seven, nothing and make the Patriots 
if they don't score a touchdown on their first drive and then you score again, then it's like, okay, you got to play chief style. But the Patriots did a long drive and scored the first touchdown. It was right. like, okay, now it's their game. And that, you know, that tone is important. You know, you, you can be one of those grinded out teams, but you want to have a lead, you know, it depends, depends on the game situation. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I hate taking the Rams cause I, I am rooting for the Patriots in this game. Like just as just part of the dynasty and just as, and the funny thing is, you know, I'm going to be rooting for the Rams, but probably taking the Patriots. So that's funny. That's <laughs> there <you> funny. Go. <laughs> well, one of us will be unhappy, and the happy, you know, neither of us will be totally happy. Yeah, I think it's a good. It's a. I, I think we're laying out all the reasons why not to have a lot on the line, but that's okay. I mean, the DJ. I'm not going to bet big on this. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't need to. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is like someone, you know, and I don't. I. I just show you how little I get into sports betting. I didn't even be properly define teasing uh, on the show today. And then someone's like, is it true that Jeff Erickson doesn't know what teasing is? And, and all that's like, yeah, well, no, I'm not that guy. I'm just not. I, 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 I don't go to the sports book that often. In, I don't go to Vegas that often during the NFL season. I don't have a guy. I don't have an online account. I've got plenty of fantasy football leagues. I don't feel the need to go ahead and do, uh, you know, to, to find another outlet there. I've got plenty of action. I can always bet you on any random thing on the show. If, right. I, if I really want that, you know, pick any topic any day and we'll come up with a side bet. You know, it also like in Vegas, there just aren't like, there's, there's not, there's no real value. I mean, if you're like Rufus or somebody and you're like really crunching every number, you'll spot some value here or there, mm-hmm. but there's not that much value to be had, especially at the Aria or the MGM casinos. If you go to like, the LVH and you, you know, really look through it. I guess you could find some stuff, but especially if you're doing futures, then you got to come back in six months. It's just so much, you know, all the sort of the long shot stuff, home run, you know, odds to win the home run title, all that stuff is like, they always really knock those down quite a bit from what you should be getting. Right. Of course. So until they have like that open market where, you know, there's sort of the first, you know, it's sort of like peer to peer betting. And then the second layer of like individualized sharps who make really, good odds that are just slightly, you know, there's a slight rake built in, but they know exactly where to draw the line, not just sort of a bunch of hacks who draw the line. So skewed against the public. They don't even have to be good at knowing, you know, what a good bet is. I think that's what they do. Like they're not that smart. So they just make sure that it's a crap bet. So they're not really taking much risk knowing a credulous public's going to bet it anyway. Right. But if you had like a big peer to peer thing, you could have these sort of second layer companies that come in like eBay sellers or something or Amazon sellers or something. And they come in and they make, you know, they sort of serve as bookies, but they're sharp so they can make it, you know, they can cut it closer to the, to the line. And then you can actually get a, a much better deal. Yeah. I've always heard online, you get better odds. You, you almost always, I mean, I, I probably cause there, there's the higher volume, greater competition. You don't have to walk to a, you know, you don't have to have a nice structure you don't, you know, right. overhead. Yeah. yeah. The overhead costs are, are big. Right. I mean, there's, you know, compliance costs are going to be big and the kickbacks, the leagues and all the other bullshit. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, this is, it's really dumb, you know, just if it was just truly like a bunch of people who set up shop and, you know, just could easily get sued if they didn't pay, they had to be licensed, but it wasn't expensive or anything. There's no kickback or expensive fees. You just had to be licensed, have your, you know, have a bond, you know, enough, money to, you know, you have to prove that you could afford to pay out what you, what you're taking in. Like a bank has to, you know, prove that it has, you know, the reserves that should be it. But you know how it is. They're going to make it, they're going to make it expensive to operate, whether you have a, 
big casino or not. Right. Right. So, yeah, um, I, which is, and I, you know, and the thing is, then you delve into like the secondary, like secondary level bets, like the teasers and parlays and all that. And you're, you know, it's a construct of the actual line and all that. I just never, never bothered to learn that because it's just not relevant to me. So, um, no need to get into that now. (laughs) <laughs> I did an 18 parlay once, uh, five bucks to win 8,000. I was parlaying big dogs on the money line. And I think I won six of them. And the seventh one lost in a close game. And the eighth one was hockey and they lost five, one. So of course I lost the five bucks, but five to win eight grand. It was a, it was a good bet. A lot of upsets happened for me. Great bet. Awesome bet. One of the best bets ever. It's like, it's like one of the best survivors. I should have probably ever. gotten paid like 50 grand for it if I won, right. but it, I was only getting eight. Man. This casino, would you have taken the casino buyout? Okay, we don't know what this hockey game's going to do yet. It's the last, I don't think it probably had that sequen, sequence going necessarily, but it was, I think it was a late said, game, but... We'll offer you to buy you out for 2500 Would you have taken it? Oh, dude, are you kidding me? It was like the, the other game I lost was like, <laughs> there were like a few games that were 50 50, and like uh-huh. I won like the other ones, and then one of them lost. And then I checked in on the hockey game, and it was like 3 1 at the half, you know, in the third period or something i don't know i can't remember the exact thing but it was yeah 2500 i would have taken 200 yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, sure it wasn't even close to that i wonder how often the casino would consider offering doing that if they had that ability to do so right then and there if they, they you know knowing that the you know having perfect you know hypothetical perfect sequencing so you knew that that last one that last bet was still there okay right what, well, what no, would I your mean, buyout be the math yeah. Well, they could do the math because I think the the hockey game was like plus I don't know what it was plus five hundred or uh, plus four fifty or something like that, maybe less. I can't remember. I don't even know about hockey betting, but it was a, they were a pretty big underdog whoever I took, and so you would just reduce it by that. But no, but I, again, like before I knew the hockey game was totally toast. There were like a few games that were not over yet in the basketball. So like I only found out later that I won. Like I, don't, I can't remember. I won a few early, and then there was a couple late, but. Bottom line, I lost one close one, and then one was a blowout. Yeah. So uh, let's make a deal. Sports betting edition there. There you go. Um, well, the, the, pro- the problem is that, you know, it's, it's what happened, you know, with, with Rufus in the, in the DraftKings tournament. It's like there's processing time for everything. So, like, by the time they offer you the buyout and you're about to accept it, if you delay, like, 20 seconds, it's gone because another play happened in the game. Right. Right. And, you know, and it's just that it's just but really I hard to imagine the technology is getting better and better. That shouldn't be a problem as much of a problem. I mean, it should be that like if there's a commercial, you know, like they, they know before the game picks up again, you've got like 30 seconds to accept and they have to timestamp exactly when you hit click, you know, right. to accept. But yeah, I guess in the markets, I guess in the financial markets, they already deal with a lot of shit like that. Sure. Of course. The, the, you know, you just have to invest in the infrastructure and the technology. I think. You know, and Rufus's thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this was kind of a makeshift book to begin with. Uh, begin with there, so you know, it's like this contest only did local localized in New Jersey. They didn't even have a physical structure. They kind of had a temporary physical structure. I could see how a lot of these things could go sideways. Presumably, when you have a full time book, especially if it's online, you should be able to accomplish that a little bit better. But we are. I mean, we know what the you know the issue with like. You know, getting your starting lineup in before lo- roster locks. I mean, just th- little things like that can be an issue sometimes. Some some sites have it five minutes before kickoff, and you're like, ah, how many times have we been screwed by that? You know, I could see that happening here in, in this this context too. 
I'm sure it's going to happen. I'm sure it happens in the financial markets, but we just don't know as much about it. That like there's timing issues. You put the trade in and the prices move, but it shouldn't have moved. But there was a delay or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Any other thoughts on the Super Bowl before we sign off? No, I don't. I'm with you. I was just giving you a hard time before. I don't really give a shit. I mean, I'll I'll watch it obviously, and I'll maybe I'll get into it. Maybe I'll make some bets and be sort of into it. But uh, you know, it's just. You know, the two week delay kind of puts you out of it. It's kind of like Game of Thrones. It's like, who's even in Game of Thrones anymore? You know, it's been so long. Right. You just kind of you forget that's even a thing. That's right. I don't think it's, I mean, I understand why they do the two weeks, but when you're a kid, you know, all the hype, you just buy into all the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl. It's so huge. When you're an adult, you're like, all right, the season's over. Oh, yeah, there's this Pro Bowl and there's another Pro Bowl. Oh, no, wait, that's the Super Bowl. Another spectacle. Doesn't really mean that much. Oh, wait, it means everything. That's right. Right. Oh, right. yeah, okay. Yeah. Fine. I haven't watch watched it. a single second of the Pro Bowl in like at least ten years. I, I just don't Me care too. at all about that. I, I it's it's kind of sad because you yeah. know I don't even care about the MLB All Star Game either. And I used to love the NBA All Star Game. I used to think that was the coolest thing ever. Look at all these guys on the you know these dream teams that were on the mm-hmm. floor. It was like put Garnett, Duncan, and Nowitzki out there in the front court. You know whatever you know back ten years ago, and I used to watch the NBA All Star Game. And even that, it's kind of like. It's not that I'm jaded. I still like a good game or whatever, but you start to just you're just more you start aware. To detach. Yeah, you're just more aware of like the reality of it, you know, and like the you know what the the show. It's just like a show. It's not like a true competition. It's just a show. So it's it's professional wrestling basically. So you don't. It's hard to get excited about it. That's right. That's right. Um, so hey, you know I you know and I kind of feel the same way. Uh, let's, let's finish with a, uh, final score, uh, prediction. I'll go first, even uh, unless, unless you'd rather I'll, I'll go first. I'll say Pat's go ahead. Pat's 28 to 24 over the Rams. Yeah. I'll just say, I mean, I, I may change my mind for being the book, but just the first score that came to my head was 31, 27 Rams. Okay. There you have it. Um, uh, I, I guess I'm going to hold myself. I'm going to take the Pats uh, for being the uh, for uh, staff picks. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, that's going to conclude uh, this edition of Talking Yang. We'll do one more. I don't know when we'll do the next one, if it will be next week or if we'll do a little later. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to occasionally do it. We're not going to do it every week during the offseason. Maybe we'll do a reactions or free agency sort of thing. Well, I'll do some baseball ones. We could do an NFBC one or something. Okay. We can do that for sure. Um, and maybe it'll be omni-topic there, too, uh, where we uh, there'll be uh, other issues there, too, like Chris's landlord uh, in Portugal doing maintenance on the other build other parts. We'll, we'll do that, too. We'll cover all that for you. Uh, so People love that stuff. Yeah. Please subscribe, rate, and review, especially this aspect of the podcast uh, on iTunes or Stitcher. If you don't already subscribe to Rotowire, go to rotowire.com slash pod. Get a free 10-day trial. And we thank you for listening. Take care. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.